Yes! Good morning! Wasn't that so amazing? And we get to do that again this morning. We're going to celebrate baptisms this morning. Isn't that so exciting? Yes, yes, so excited. I'm so excited to be here for that very reason. Thank you for being with us online. Thank you for being with us live and in person. And uh, I'm super excited. I get to share kind of with churches and all around the place. But to be with my home family this morning is super exciting to me. And I'm doubly excited to be here because of all of the youth back from camp last week. Where are you? Are you sitting together again today? Nah, you're kind of more spread out this morning, but the reason I'm doubly excited is because I gave my life to Christ when I was a teenage girl at camp. Yes, and so that is super meaningful to me. So as we continue along in our series of recounting uh, the book of Romans backwards, would you be willing to pull out a way that you can follow along in Romans 8 with me? So phone, Bible, whatever, somehow, because we're going to go down through that passage together today. So would you be willing to do that, to have it in front of you somehow, pull that out so that we can follow along in Romans 8 together this morning? I'll be doing that from the NIV version for those of you that are interested. So, have you ever had a jingle stuck in your head? Yeah. Mm, you know, right? Um, ba-da-da-da-da. How about nationwide is on your side? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. Okay, okay, good. (laughs) So you're with me. So you know what that's like, right? Well, when I looked up the definition of the series title recounting in the dictionary, it was a second or fresh count, giving an oral or written count in some detail. But what stuck out to me was that the examples and the definitions that I looked at, they gave the feeling of this idea of over and over and over again. Sort of this, you know getting stuck in your head, and it reminded me of like a jingle that gets stuck in your head, okay? And oh, my friends, if only our lives would be grounded in the truths that God has given us in this gold mine of Romans, like Romans 8, like a jingle that gets stuck in your head over and over and over, that we would be recounting to ourselves every day. I submit to you that we would be different people, some of us very different people, You know, if we were giving an oral or written account to ourselves over and over again of these things recorded to us in Romans, these aspects of our lives, our thoughts, our very selves on a regular basis. You see, here's why I'm saying this. A few weeks ago in this series, Mike encouraged us to, he challenged us actually to memorize some aspects, some chunk of scripture. Do you remember that? And I thought at that time it would be a good idea for me to memorize Romans 8. And I thought what would be really cool is if I just stood up here and just spoke the word and allowed it to stir and wash over you. I thought that would be really cool. I know. But I knew that probably wouldn't fly. (laughs) But the very act of going over and over this robust chapter of scripture has grounded and anchored me unquestionably more deeply than when I'm not doing such a thing. So what can I do to convince you that it'll change you too? Like um, some sort of bribe or, I don't know, can I, can I offer you your tithe back as a money back guarantee? <laughs> you can tell I'm not on staff. <laughs> 
Listen, I'm serious though, because I know this will affect great change in your life. Actually, it doesn't matter what I think. Isaiah 55, 11 says the word of God will not return void, but will, it will accomplish the purposes for which it is sent. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. In other words, God himself promises that when you get the word in you, it will do things, good things, life-altering things. And more so, particularly of Romans, it's going to establish you. See, Mike has emphasized over and over throughout this series that the book of Romans is about being established in Christ. We are actually studying this letter to live, here's the word, secure in Christ. Recounting Romans is going to help us be established in Christ. So when we find ourselves not at peace, struggling with purpose, lacking passion, clarity, focus, mental stability, right? When we find ourselves jacked up in some way, honestly, we have to get back to being established, secure, Taking in the truths recorded in Romans will make you a person of stability, of, you know, that thing we all want, gravitas. I want it, don't you? So let's do it. You want to do it? Let's get to Romans 8. So pull it open and look. Just look. Look at 8.1, the stunning way that it begins. There is therefore now. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As Jimmy Fallon said to Nicole Kidman when finding out an impending crush. Wait, what? (laughs) No condemnation? Is this some sort of trick? Are you kidding me? Think of all the ways and how much time and energy you and I spend trying to avoid being wrong, found out, feeling stupid, feeling left out, rejected, unloved, unwanted, not picked, not chosen. Think of it. So much energy spent trying to avoid something that God says, you can just stop all of that, all of it. I've taken care of all of it in Christ. So whenever you feel condemned, you have to step back and get back to being established, to being secure. Because for those that are in Christ, Jesus is the simple belief discussed last week and all throughout Romans. That simple belief alone in the only one who is righteous is what is required. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21 on the banner. It says, God made him who who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Romans 10, 11 told us, everyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Thank you, Jesus is right. That's why this audacious claim right out of the gate exists. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That you and I can walk on this planet the entirety of our lives free from any and all condemnation because of Jesus and our faith in him. It's incredible, isn't it? Life-altering if we will let it be. Let's keep going. Verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, 
Because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There it is. There it is. In many Bibles, this section of scripture is entitled Life Through the Spirit. And that is what we want to tease out in this next moments, these next moments together. This idea that because Jesus fulfilled what we could not, our best life is to seek to live in alignment with his spirit within us instead of our own ideas about how things should go. That our best way forward is to live life following his spirit within us, not our own proclivities, ideas, basically the way we want things to go. Even pondering (laughs) the idea of life in the spirit reminds us how we can't be righteous or holy on our own, doesn't it? Doesn't it? We're self-interested at every turn, to the core. Right? This is not a newsflash to you, correct? I mean, we've judged in these moments. I don't really like being in the round. It's a little too dark in here. Online, I really wasn't expecting to hear the word of God from a woman this morning. and She might be a little too chubby and chipper for presenting the word of God. Or on your own, you're like, I... I can't overcome that addiction. The bitterness still has a hold of me. This personal obsession that I have. And I just want to continue to control others in my life. We can't be righteous on our own, right? It's not a newsflash to you or I. Romans 8 keeps helping us. Look to verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is... (laughs) There it is. What we all long for. Life and peace. That's what we all want in some version, right? The point is, you can't save yourself any more than you can break your long-standing habit. Keep your mind from looking, lusting, and leering at things you shouldn't. Amen? That's what it is to be in the flesh. Aren't you so tired of trying? So exhausted of trying to be good, wanting to be better, seeking even to live up to your spouse's standards. You're trying to live up to your own standards. Even just trying to be good like you see some other people being good. (sighs) The good news is we can't. The good news is we can't. That's good news because when we have understood the gospel message, the reality of Christ's substitutionary sacrifice on our behalf to overcome our fleshly, self-consumed, small-minded selves and surrendered ourselves to his beautiful invitation and plan, asking him to not only be Savior, but Lord Now we are talking about a whole new kind of life. That is a life (laughs) that can be free and full and yes, even fun. (laughs) That's right. It is a life of surrender to be sure. To Jesus as Savior and then as to Lord as we seek to live moment by moment in him. 
So let's keep looking at Romans 8 to continue to instruct us. So we're on verse 12 now. Verse 12, okay? Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. There it is. Here it is plainly. We're provided a new way of living when we say yes to Christ. It is to live according to his spirit within us. If, if I were entitling the message this morning, I would have entitled it Lighter Fluid and Living by the Spirit. You'll see what I mean in a minute. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar, I need to take a second, with the idea of the spirit. When you accept what Christ has done on your behalf, it is called the great exchange. His life for yours. Okay? And this mysterious yet very real spiritual transaction happens where he now comes to live in you by his spirit. It's captured in Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Since we are all more souls and spirits than we are bodies, right? This life is actually accessible and possible. You do know you're more of a spirit and a soul than you are a body, correct? You know your body is going to fade, your body is going to die, your spirit is going to live forever. Though some of us are spending a whole lot of time on the body and not a whole lot of time on the spirit. And I think we'd be wise to focus the other direction a whole lot more than the one. But that's a whole other sermon and I must move on. Okay. Yeah, so you as a spirit, you can be living in, in communication and cooperation with the spirit of God in a way that transforms your everyday existence. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live and move and have our being. This is what we want to learn today. What's recorded in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, it says, listen, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And so if we are to continue in that Galatians 5 passage and look a few verses down in that same passage, we see what living in the spirit is described as looking like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Some version of those things, right? It says, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And here it is. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Same message, same Bible, same themes. Amen? Amen. It's so cool. Don't you want to be that person? Loving, joyful, patient, right? Self-controlled, right? Heck yeah. I mean, how many of us, let's raise hands, in the last six months have worked on one of those character issues in your life? One of those things, right? Me too. But you know, you cannot take an apple, a really nice, pretty apple, and tie it to a tree. What will happen within like a couple of days? Right? It's not going to work. That's why you cannot make yourself more patient. 
You can't be like, Tammy, just what is your deal? Just come on, try harder to be self-controlled. It only comes by reliance and dependence and appeal to who? It's the fruit of the what? Not the fruit of the Tammy or the Angela or, or the Connor. Amen? So it's the fruit of the Spirit, which is who? Jesus. So if you want those character qualities, we have to be willing to live in alignment with his spirit within us. Okay, so just take a minute. Ask the Lord, what does it mean for me personally to live more by your spirit? Okay, so you... You walked in here today and you passed a family that you know and they have a new car and it's a cool car. It's a great looking car. And you in your mind, you had a thought about, I wish I had that car. And then you had a thought about the way that that family spends its money. And then you thought, but I want to live by the spirit. So God, I pray that you would continue to bless that family and that they would use their resources for your kingdom. And I pray that car in particular would be a vehicle for the gospel. So yesterday, your eyes were drawn to an exposed area of flesh. And you experienced some natural attraction or arousal. Normal. But I want to be led by your spirit, Lord. Jesus, you know what it is to be in flesh. Thank you for all aspects of my humanity. But I want to be more compelled and more drawn to things of you, more obsessed with that than the way my eyes are drawn to flesh. You're furious over your spouse's or your friend's seeming insensitivity to you again. And you feel like you could choke on the bitterness. Spirit, I need you. I am leaning on my own small perspective here, holding on to offense. And how much I'm forgetting how much you've forgiven me for. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. You know how much this hurts me. You know. You say, you know my thoughts before I think them. I can't do this. Thank you that you're worth it. Thank you that you have given me more grace. Thank you for showing me that I'm probably just as hard for them to live with as they are for me to live with. Thank you that you gave them to me as a gift. Right? Okay. So living by the Spirit. I want you to imagine right here that there are two little campfires. One here and one here. Same size, exact same size, exact same flame. One is the flesh. One is the Spirit. Got it? And what I want you to know is that your will, your attention, your focus, and especially your choices are like lighter fluid. It's my best visual for what it's like to live by the Spirit. So the question for you is, where are you going to squirt your lighter fluid? <laughs> so two days ago, 
I had a conversation with someone and they mentioned having an awesome time with someone who hurt me deeply. And my mind went there to the dark place of wishing they didn't have a good time. But before it could stay there for very long, because I have been studying and steeped in this passage, like Romans 8, 6, that says the mind control by the flesh is death, but the mind control by the spirit is life and peace. Quickly, I knew, oh, lighter fluids got to move. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God, thank you that they both love you. Thank you that the person that hurt me got to interact with this awesome person. I pray your blessing on them both. And I meant some of it. And and before very long, guess what happened? My spirit began to lift and it went away, which you and I both knew, both know would not have happened had God not, not made that transaction happen, right? Had my mind not gone away. Right? Right? Life by the spirit is great. Do you get it? That the things set in the Bible are God's best life manual for us. The Bible is not a bunch of do's and don'ts like a spiritual buzzkill. Are you with me? It's not a straitjacket meant for our, you know, boring life. It's his best life manual for us. Obedience is awesome. Do we believe this or not? Right? So... That little campfire deal is my best attempt at making visual how it is to walk with the spirit. Your will is like lighter fluid. I mean, I guess we could do a little like flesh person, spirit person on your shoulder, sort of like the angel devil thing, but you know what I'm talking about. The point is that there is a way to allow your inner reliance upon the life of Jesus To come forward in a way that transforms you and makes your external life different than it would be if you didn't. And you and I both know, if we don't do this, we'll default to what is best for us, what we want, and what is comfortable for us, and what makes us look good. Amen? That's why there are so many admonitions in scriptures to not be self-dependent. Like Proverbs 3, lean not on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Proverbs 3 is a great life passage, by the way. So, being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, is an amazing way of life with an ongoing interchange of loving promises and fulfillment and helps and sustainments by Christ himself. So, what happens when you regularly let yourself be led by the Spirit of God, when we live by the Spirit of God? Well, I actually see the rest of Romans 8, the rest of this chapter, capturing well the outworkings of living in the Spirit. And so for me, it sort of works cyclically, like to also motivate and compel me to keep doing it. So you want to bust down through the rest of this chapter with me? Yeah, Yeah, you do. Let's do it. Okay? Um, So Adam Heath actually helped me capture these truths in the following verses in kind of a chart where we can compare the flesh and life and the spirit and sort of look and see, is this what's happening in my heart and mind? Perhaps this is the wrong fire because here's actually the fire I want to pour lighter fluid on. Make sense? And so some of you under your rear end or nearby you uh, is this chart. It's just a crude chart. You know how I like to have resources and tools for those of you that like to have hard copies of things. So that's nearby you if you want to take that home with you today. For those of you watching online, it'll be on screen with you. And go ahead and follow along. Let's start with one of these amazing outworkings and also motivations. 
the amazing verse, verse 15. Here we go. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Because Jesus has fulfilled the requirement of righteousness on our behalf, doing what we couldn't and can't ever do on our own, we never have to be afraid. We are totally free to live as the beloved children of God that we are. So much so that God had Paul emphasize here that the deepest part of us inside can cry, Abba, Father, which essentially in the original language is, do you know it? You got it. Daddy. You know? Okay, I sat in my office this week. I'm a counselor with a super cool pastor from a super cool church out of town. And you know what he and I sat and talked about? The kinds of mechanisms he unconsciously uses to self-protect. Okay? We all do it because we're afraid of being hurt again, of not measuring up, of being rejected, of feeling shame. I want you to think about how much you do in your life that is actually some form of self-protection. Right? Instead, God wants us to live as his beloved children. Kind of the kid that's asleep in his arms, so tr- asleep in the parents' arms, just so like, ah, it doesn't matter what's going on around. I know mom or dad's got me and, and will take care of me. Right? Nose driving. So you can see, life in the flesh is worried about disapproval, etc. Life in the spirit, secure as God's child and in his approval. There's so much freedom here. So much security. Are you perceiving it? Let's keep going. Verse 18. Go ahead and look down there. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Listen, I can't give a message on the realities of what we're going to encounter in the eternal life, but scripture does. And it's not all angels, wings, floating, and harps. (laughs) No. In Revelation 21, verse 4. It says there's going to be no more tears. No more mourning. And no more death. And no more crying. And no more pain. No more pain in any form whatsoever. Can you even imagine? And that there will be a day when the longings in our hearts, the things that we yearn for the most will be completely fulfilled. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has set eternity in our hearts. And that there's a certain sense in which the, the relationship with God and others, the unbroken fellowship we were meant to have, that's going to be restored. You understand that day is a day on the calendar, more so than that wedding in three weeks and that graduation in 37 days and 24 hours, than that, you know, I'm leaving for college in three years. You know, that thing that's like, it's on the calendar and everything points to that day, this day is more real than any of those days on the calendar. Do we live like that day is more real than any other day in our lives? Am I a little too hyped for you right now? I am so sorry. You're kind of like, can you chill? Okay, sorry. But here's the reality. That picture of the ultimate victory of Christ 
can help us pull it back into our circumstances today and help us endure what the Bible calls the momentary trials of this life. N.T. Wright speaks of pulling God's future back into our present, right? In the flesh, we so often just rail against difficulty, especially so often with anger. Whereas living by the Spirit means to endure suffering with a view towards a promised future beyond imagination. Seeing difficulty through the lens of that promised future. In verse 26, we have another promise about challenging things. In the same way, look at it, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Often, we don't pray when we feel we, don't, we can do it right. Or have a hard time believing our prayers are heard. But living by the Spirit is to keep praying even when we feel like we can't. We don't know what to say or even how to best do it. It's trusting that the Spirit is helping us pray when we can't. And he's also praying for us. Isn't that unreal? Sometimes the best prayers are just like, oh, I'll be honest. I prayed that prayer yesterday. In verse 28, so we're at 28 now, we have another reward of life in the spirit. The assurance of a much purpose and plan than we can see. You likely have heard this one and we know. (laughs) that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In this regard, we can recognize that being given over to despair when things don't go the way you want or hope, that's living in the flesh. Living in the spirit means to trust God is working out things for his purposes in his ways. It, It means saying your character is good, God. Even when I can't see what's up. Because you know what, guys? He never told us it would make sense down here. He never told us it would make sense in the temporal. He made a lot of promises to us about his presence. He made a lot of promises to us about his availability. He made a lot of promises to us. But he never said it would make sense to us down here. That it it would make sense to us from our earthly perspective. Living by the Spirit is trusting his character. Continuing with verse 29. Look here. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's incredible. He is conforming us to have said yes to Christ. To be more like Christ. Lago! I am so excited about that. And all the more, by the way, if we cooperate with him. Amen. (laughs) So it's a good question to ask. Who or what am I trying to conform myself to? Living with lighter fluid on the flesh can be seen in your Venmo, your checkbook, your subscriptions, your Uber Eats, right? Am I trying to fit in with my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers, my Botoxing, bourboning, the babying? I don't know. Where is your energy and the majority of your thought time going? Living by the Spirit means we're seeking to conform ourselves to Jesus, not anything or anyone else. That you're grateful for Christ's presence within you and you're longing for the fruits of the Spirit to be evidenced in your life. Side note, that does not mean you will be irrelevant. The things that, that are of the deepest substance are never irrelevant. And if you don't understand that now, you will someday. Can I get a witness from those of us old? Okay, good. Thank you. All right. Yet another amazing inspiration and reality for living in the Spirit is described starting verse 31. 
What shall we say? This is how I feel at the end of Romans. What shall we say in response to all of this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Seriously, what is our problem is how I read that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Right? He who did not spare his own son. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Hopelessness means you're living by the flesh. You've got to turn your attention and focus. Having confidence in God's plan and what he says is going on. Living by the spirit means to trust God is taking care of our every need. By his grace, in his way. Yes? Don't you love Romans 8? Don't you love God? Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love the fact that he has deposited in us a way to navigate this life? Blessed are we. And as if all that wasn't enough, the last verses in this chapter... If we could like just all go and just go straight to like some tattoo land and tattoo them on us. That they could somehow be absorbed into our being. I would love to see how we were each different. Verses 37 through 39. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced... That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Exactly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Not even you can separate you from the love of God. And please, let's remove love from some emotional, lighthearted fluff. I don't know how you have to translate it to your life. But speaking of gravitas, what is it to you? Do, you? do you have this longing for this sense of like respect or to be known or to be seen or to be embraced or to have a sense that your, your, your person on this planet means something? What is it to you? That is the love. That is the yes. It's the yes to that thing. Whatever that, whatever that is for you, that's this yes. That's the thing you can't be separated from. You understand? We can and are meant to walk in that. We are meant to be not just conquerors, not just overcomers, not just people who walk by the Spirit in that kind of strength and understanding of, wait a minute, I'm deposited here and he's deposited in me for, whoa, way more than a Netflix binge and an occasional, I did a good deed. I... Cannot be separated 
from being a vessel of meaning and value and power beyond my ability to actually comprehend it. Because Jesus died for me. And now, if I say yes to that offering and that invitation freely, he now resides in me. Oh, oh. that means I just got to get in a room and he's going to do stuff. And sometimes I need to open my mouth, but usually that might even get in the way. Are you with me? My friends, please, this whole thing. Would you spend time recounting the book of Romans? Over and over. Romans 8. Over and over. Would you be willing to discipline yourself to that? To just put it on more than your favorite songs. Even just for a week. Come on. How about a month? Oh yeah. Let's do it. And see what happens. Would you go love this desperate world? With the overflow. Of your passionate gratitude. (laughs) And then what would happen with your lighter fluid self is that you would ignite a spirit's flame so high that it's not only lighting up all sorts of people and spaces around you, things are catching flame when you are near. (laughs) Let's go. That's the plan, folks. You get it? That's the plan. For Jesus in you to ignite a lost world. Aren't they crying out enough? Isn't our world crying out enough? Isn't it? Let's get over ourselves. And let's live in the spirit with that kind of igniting love. Let's pray. God, you are beyond our comprehension. Jesus, you are more than we could ever ask for. There aren't words to tell you thank you enough. I pray if there is a knee in this room that has not yet bowed to you as Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. And I pray that every one of us in this room would leave today more emboldened and secure than ever that we would love without expecting anything in return even to those most familiar that we would give knowing your nod is the only one that counts that your seeing is enough That we would live with abandon. That we would give with abandon. That we would be unafraid of responses. Actually unaware of responses. Saturated. Established. Secure. Eyes on you. Thank you, Jesus.